Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for June 27, 2022. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell was very clear at a news conference following the Fed's decision June 15th to raise interest rates by 75 basis points. Clearly, he said, our goal is to bring about 2% inflation while keeping unemployment down. But achieving the first goal will almost certainly necessitate a weakening in the labor market. And indeed, the Fed's policy statement for June removed a May reference to the labor market remaining strong. Which brings us to the question, how do you sell the necessity of a weakening labor market to the public? Well, the Fed appears to have a strategy for that, as we hear today from Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady. Bill, first, a very basic question. Why is it important for the Fed to have such a selling strategy in the first place? Why couldn't the Fed just say, look, we're committed to reducing inflation any way we can, and you can expect an increase in the unemployment rate as a result? Well, because it would be politically difficult. The Fed is only independent at the behest of Congress. In various times in the history of the Federal Reserve, it was not independent. For example, through World War II, the Fed was required by the Treasury to expand its balance sheet to fix interest rates to fund war borrowing. And after Nixon ended Bretton Woods, two Fed chairs, Arthur Burns and G. William Miller, essentially accommodated inflation. In fact, in 1978, the law surrounding the Fed was changed to force the Fed to not only control prices, but to bring about full employment. And as you mentioned in your opening, these goals can can be dissident. By the late 1970s, central banks and governments mostly agreed on a program to maintain the credibility of a fiat currency regime. The governments would allow the central banks to be independent with an inflation target. That scheme coincided with low and a mostly steady inflation regime. But even then, Fed chairs tend to obfuscate what they're doing. Well, you've been studying the Fed for a long time. How has the Fed sold unpopular concepts to the public in the past? Well, one way the Fed did it was simply not telling us what they were up to. Through the 1970s, countercyclical policy was mostly conducted on the fiscal side. So there was less focus on what the Fed did, at least outside the banking system. When I started in the business in 1986, the Fed met didn't announce anything. We had to figure out if changes were made. But after the inflation of the 1970s, fiscal policy was discredited and the Fed became more important. So when the, the Fed has to do something difficult, it tries to disguise what it's really doing or what it's really trying to accomplish, which may be a slowdown by raising unemployment. Paul Volcker did it by targeting the money supply. When interest rates soared, he would argue that he, he really didn't have any control over that. He, he was just simply trying to bring down inflation by controlling the growth of the money supply, which, of course, is, is really disingenuous. Alan Greenspan's tactic was to baffle listeners with long-winded answers. In one instance, he famously told a congressman, if he understood what he said, he'd failed. But, but even Greenspan understood his limits. He tried to warn that stocks were frothy in 1996 in a famous speech where he discussed irrational exuberance. In the wake of that speech, he faced strong criticism, leading him to back away from the comments and never bring them up again. Now, since Greenspan, the Fed has, has tried to address this issue by issuing forward guidance, in other words, giving the market clear signals of its intention, so we can all adjust. Sadly, as we've discussed before, this, this program of transparency has lessened the effectiveness of monetary policy. Well, what's the Fed strategy this time around? Well, it's really ingenious. 
Chair Powell and Governor Waller have argued that we can ease wage pressures by reducing job openings without necessarily raising unemployment. So basically, by focusing on a reduction in job openings, our attention is diverted from an increase in unemployment. Very possibly. And the Fed's hope is that a reduction in job openings will reduce wage demands and thus contain inflation without necessarily increasing unemployment? I think that's the strategy. Is this a reasonable strategy or, or is it just a smokescreen? I, I doubt it's really possible. If job openings fall, it's probably because the economy is slowing. Bill, could the same goal of reducing job openings be realized another way? Say, if workers who retired during the pandemic were enticed back into the workplace, or if the workforce grew as a result of relaxed immigration rules? Well, yes, that's possible. We are not seeing too much from the over 65-year-olds yet, and immigration is clearly controversial. So, is the bottom line that we will be hearing a lot about job openings from the Fed in the coming months and not so much about the unemployment rate. That's what I would look for. That's what I would expect. Bill, how high might the unemployment rate have to climb for the Fed to place less emphasis on that 2% inflation target? Well, it's a very complicated question. It may be that we won't be able to have the economy function with an unemployment rate that low. My suspicion is that an unemployment rate above 5%, which, which would almost certainly be recessionary, or some sort of financial crisis might defeat the goal of returning to a 2% inflation target. Bill, where do you predict inflation and the unemployment rate might top out? Well, I kind of suspect we're close to the top of inflation. The problem is that price levels won't fall as fast as the Fed would like. On the other hand, I expect unemployment to rise next year toward 5%. It seems clear that investors are in an environment that is new for many. What's your advice? Well, this is something that's evolving. If we can't get inflation down to 2%, then we are looking at a brand new bond market, one with persistently higher rates. There will be a, a painful adjustment period that we're already starting to navigate now. On the other hand, I don't think the reckoning back to the 1970s will, will occur for a couple reasons. First, the demographics are far different. We're older now, and older societies don't consume as much. Uh, second, labor isn't as organized as it was in the 70s, so it'll be harder to, for a wage price spiral to develop. We're probably looking at a 25 to 3.5% inflation world instead of a 2% inflation world, which means a 45 to 5.5% 10-year T-note and commensurate higher mortgage rates. Finally, before we wrap up today, Phil, I wanted to let listeners know that for the week of July 4th, there will not be a podcast or a geopolitical report. We'll return the following week with a new asset allocation podcast and report. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.